And then you have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that's the, the, the pinnacle of the Word of God. Everything that the Bible is, is is a presentation of the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation that God has presented to mankind so, so that we can be uh, united, uh, reunited with our Creator. And uh, so uh, Malachi is a culmination of the Old Testament and then between the book of Malachi, the Old Testament, and then the Gospels where Jesus shows up, there's 400 years, 400 silent years. But before the silence, these are the last uh, truths uttered by God to his people, to mankind. In Malachi chapter 4, verse number 5, just that one verse right, right now, we'll read the verse, pray, and then and go back and actually read the entire chapter, which is only six verses uh, the last chapter of the Old Testament. But let's just look at verse number 5 of Malachi chapter 4. Behold, the Lord says, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this your word. I pray that you help us to see within the pages of your word here this morning, the message that is so very important that you want us to understand, that you want us to grasp. There are those that you love here this morning that you want this message of redemption to get to them. Lord, thank you so much for those of us who are saved, are born again, and we've, we've come to that. We've, we've come to the understanding of our condition before you and the solution that you've provided on Calvary to uh, receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and we know He as a child of God today. And Lord, thank you so much for that. But there are those uh, around us, and maybe those here this morning, that maybe they know about you, but they don't know you. They've never had that born-again experience, and they're not in the family of God. They need to be, and they can be. And so, Lord, I pray that today you would make things clear to each one of us that are here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would just uh, speak to us in these next few moments through your word. Lord, we're listening we're yielded. We ask that you would uh, have your Holy Spirit to do his work in our hearts through your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go back to verse number one of this last chapter of the Old Testament. Malachi chapter four, verse number one. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Wow, talk about judgment. Talk about fierce uh, action from the Almighty to a sinful race. Verse 2, but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. And of course that was a prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ that would come with healing physical healing, to uh, bring note, to be the neon sign, to bring attention to the Messiah, but he had more than just a physical healing, a physical um, uh, uh, mending of maladies and sicknesses and even death, but a spiritual healing. He'll come as the son of righteousness that will arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, 
with the statutes and judgments. And then the verse that we started with, our text, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. This was the last thing that was heard from God, this last word from the last of the minor prophets, Malachi. Then after this, 400 years of silence. God didn't speak anymore. He didn't send any other prophets. This was it. This was the, the last utterance of God before the coming of the Messiah. All the promises... All of the anticipation, all the injustices that they were as God's people uh, experiences, experiencing and all the expectation, but then nothing, nothing for 400 years. And they, they probably as a nation and as the children of Israel and as those that, that uh, had a covenant with God, they probably felt forgotten or maybe even forsaken cast off. Maybe they were unimportant to God. Did you ever feel that way? Did you ever feel like God did not come through in, on your case and, and you felt as though that God did not know or he was not aware of your case, of your situation? Well, that's the, the nation of Israel at this time, 400 years of silence, nothing, nothing from God. And the Bible says that God sent his son to the earth at exactly the right time Galatians 4.4, 4. but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. That fullness of time was a time after that Alexander the Great who Hellenized the world and then turned it over to the Roman emperors who harmonized travel and law and language of the populated world, allowing the spread of the gospel to hit the masses like fire to a dry prairie and and that was the, the exact time, the fullness of time was come that God introduced his Savior. Yes, the spread of the gospel went everywhere, revealing God's heart to reach the world. It was the exact time, it was the, the proper time. But it was this time of silence that we're going to kind of look at. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, was promised by God to pave the way for the appearance of Jesus. He served as the announcer or the MC, if you will, the master of ceremonies, the one to introduce the Savior. Malachi chapter 4, verse number 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Throughout the Old Testament, John was promised, as earlier in the previous chapter of our text, Malachi chapter 3, verse number 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, which is what the Bible says about this John the Baptist, and that is exactly who uh, was the fulfillment of these scriptures. Jesus uh, even made that application about John. And John was going to be the messenger to prepare the way before the Lord Jesus Christ to come, which was exactly what John did, as we see in the Gospels, Mark chapter 1, verse number 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So when you want to start at the beginning of God's good news to mankind, you start at his, at, <coughs> at his announcement, at the, the uh, presentation, if you will, 
And that was John the Baptist, as it is written in the prophets. Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John, that is John the Baptist, John did baptize in the wilderness and preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. He was the fulfillment of these prophecies of the one that would come before and prepare the way for Christ. Yes, this was indeed John. By the way, if you have a Bible that says something like, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, singular, in that passage of scripture and in Mark, then your book has an error in it. Because that's not correct. That is not accurate. You see, the many scriptures, the many Bible versions that are out there will have the very same fault, the very same uh, 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 error in it, whether it be the New International Version, the NIV, the American Standard Bible, the NASB, the New Living Translation, the English Standard Version, the Message, the New Century Version, New English Translation of the Bible, God's Word Translation, the Revised Standard, the Living Bible, New American Standard Bible, the American Standard Version, and others of popular versions that are out there have it wrong in that passage of Scripture. There's an error there if it says, this is what Isaiah said. See, because it was both in Malachi and in Isaiah, as our King James Bible has it right, the Word of God, the, the, the un, uh, 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 in, inerrant Word of God says it's in the prophets, uh, uh, plural, not in, in the prophet Isaiah. Yes, Isaiah uh, was one of the prophets, but uh, here in our, in our passage, uh, uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse number 1, is what it says there in verse number 2 of Mark, uh, as it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face. That was in Malachi. And then you have Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 3, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare you the way of the Lord, Make straight in the desert a highway for a God. That's Isaiah 40. And so it's in Isaiah and Malachi, it's in in. Uh, uh, a plural of prophets, not in just the prophet Isaiah. Like I say, you have a mistake there. You get you a good Bible. You know, a Bible without errors. Anyway, let's get back to this. John was the one that broke the long silence. John chapter 1, verse 29, it was prophesied that he would come. It was prophesied that he would prepare the way of the Lord. And John 1, 29, the Bible says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold... The Lamb of God. Folks, this was the time. This was the announcement. (laughs) This was what they were waiting for. For 400 years that God did not speak, that there was no more utterance, that there was no more word from heaven. And here it is. He breaks that silence with very clear uh, identification of the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. It was clear. It was loud. It was specific. He did indeed prepare the way for Christ. Did you ever hear a tune that maybe stuck with you throughout the day? Because it was the last tune that you heard. Maybe uh, at church, you know, when we're done, and then the pianist gets on, you might have heard a lot of music that was very good and very good, uh, uh, wonderful and a blessing, but then that last piece 
that was played, you're humming throughout the rest of the afternoon, you know, because it was the last thing that you heard, you know what I mean? Um, sometimes it's, it's uh, that last thing that's on your mind. Well, the final message of God in the Old Testament is seen in that the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament in our text in Malachi stated these th- things that were so important for God to emphasize so that it would resonate, so that they would be thinking about, so they would, would, would get the message of God. And in our text in Malachi, the last chapter, the last book, the last uh, verses, the, the, the last thoughts that God gave before this silent were here in this chapter. Malachi chapter 4, verse number 4. We read that this morning. This is what he says. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. He's saying, hey, pay attention to my word. Pay attention to what I've stated, to what I've made clear. Be careful to to heed. Be careful to note. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. More important than anything else for them was to pay attention to what God said. It was what was identified. It was his interaction with with, uh, mankind. It was where he reveals himself. Remember the Bible. Remember the scriptures, the word that I gave to Moses. He says, hey, this is important. Uh, It relayed his promise to mankind, regardless of what they were going through, regardless of of them maybe feeling like they they were forsaken, like God didn't know, like God wasn't with them. No, no, he did, and his promise was was uh, sure and true. Without his word, folks, we have nothing. And that's why God says, remember the word that I spoke. See, every, everyone today wants to downplay the scriptures. Everyone wants to say, well, that, you know, the Bible's not that important. It's, you know, the interaction that God has with. No, no. Hey, what did God say? Remember the word that I gave. It's important. It's, it's uh, profitable. It's, it's uh, inspired. It's true. It's without error. It's preserved. You see, everybody wants to downplay the, the word of God, but not God, not Jesus. Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. Hey, Jesus said, you want to know me? Get into the book. It testifies of me. You must understand. You're you're wrong because you don't know the scriptures. Jesus said, hey, the words that I spake, the words that God spoke to mankind, very, very important. And you're going to make a mistake if you don't know, if you're not familiar with, if you're, if you're, you're not immersed in the Scriptures. In John 5, 39, Jesus said, Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. He says, hey, you want to prove who the Messiah is? It's interesting to, to uh, hear Jews try to uh, uh, get around uh, the, the uh, uh, application of the Old Testament to Jesus Christ. The bad conscience of Israel, Isaiah 53, which is such a, a, a sure and a, and a, a clear and, and, and a, a precise picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior that would come, that would lay down his life for the sins of mankind. And they say, well, that's the nation of Israel. No, it's not the nation of Israel. Pay attention. Psalm 22 
there's a picture of the, the Savior on a cross going through crucifixion. That was 700 years prior to the time that anybody on earth even uh, 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 used capital punishment in that way in crucifixion. I mean, it's, it's precise. And that's what Jesus said. Hey, search the scriptures. They speak of me. They show me. They point to me. It's very important. Listen, the, the word of God is very important to the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, search the scriptures. Luke chapter 24, verse 25. Then he said unto them, O fools, and a slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. That's the Old Testament. That's where we are. The, one of the minor prophets this morning about uh, Malachi. The prophets that, that speak, that, that make clear Jesus, that present the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, you'd be a fool not to believe at all, all that, that is there that points to the Lord. No, no, God says that the Bible is the key to making one wise to salvation. And that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, as you know the scripture says in 2 Timothy. Hey, listen, it's very important. Very, the, the scripture is, is, is of utmost importance to God because it's his word. It's his promise. He does not mince words. He says, listen, God is a master at com communication, and he has communicated to us very, very precisely. I know you have preachers like Andy Stanley and all the popular preachers that say, hey, you know, the Old Testament stuff, you know, you don't, uh, you know we don't need to worry about that. And you, we don't need that. Are you kidding me? That's not what God says about his word. As in our text, he says in, in uh, Malachi chapter 4 and verse number 4, remember ye the law of Moses, my servant. This is very important. So anyway, in this chapter, Mal Malachi chapter 4, God cements three thoughts to last them through the silent years. Three uh, major ideas in this book that we're going we're gonna to grasp, we're going to try to get a hold of, and we're going to just hit those and we'll be done. Is your preacher feeling okay? <laughs> Another short message? Well, you know, listen, if this is what it is and this is what God gave us, Pay attention. Listen quick, and we'll be done, all right? You don't listen quick, it's going to take a while. So, all right. Th three thoughts that God gives in Malachi chapter 4, the last chapter of the Old Testament. It's going to last them through the, the, the silent years. He says this. The first topic here is judgment. Of course. Look at that. Verse number 1. Malachi chapter 4, verse number 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts. It shall leave them neither root nor branch. Goodness. <coughs> Talk about judgment. Talk about indignation from heaven. It's that judgment that is so very unpopular with the world. <coughs> Just the other day I was reading about an atheist group in Tennessee, I think it's Tennessee, it might be Ohio, that is spearheading the effort to erect billboards around the Ark Encounter. You know, Ken Ham, who was, uh, actually made the uh, Ark Encounter, which is this giant replica, uh, life-size of the Ark, wooden boat, 
Of course, it's not made to float. It's made to be as a museum of, of the ark, of the, of the great flood, of the global flood, and what God instructed Noah to do. And all of, you know, there's, there are people, there are scoffers all over the place. There's, oh, that, that's impossible and that can't happen. No, no, no. All, all the questions answered. Everything answered. It's an amazing place. It's a, a place that, that showcases what God did. And it's, it's very important. It's something that God's actions to uh, the human race was so very important that we need to understand that. Well, anyway, here's, so here's this, this uh, giant ark encounter. And uh, then there are the, the groups around that just, I mean, they, they're not, they, they don't just think this is dumb or, you know, idiotic or something to be discounted. No, no, they hate it. They, they hate it. They, they have this, this uh, vitriol that w- is within them in these groups. And there was this one uh, <clears throat> uh, atheistic group that spearheads the effort to, they have been, they've been erecting billboards that say, genocide and incest park, opposing the myth. And talking about, you know, the Ark Encounter, you know, this thing there. That millions, actually millions every year are coming to see. And they're fighting against that and, and, uh, and calling what God did. And if God did this, which it's God that they don't believe in anyway. That there is nothing out there and there's no, no such thing. And, but they're fighting it with all they, they have. But anyway, they call what God did... In, in the ark, if there was such a thing, genocide and incest, opposing the myth. No, no, it's not genocide. It's called divine judgment of a race in rebellion that rejects the fact that the creator has full right to judge. The one who created, the one who actually made, the one who, who designed our bodies, our lives, our surrounding, the creator has that prerogative to set down what is right and what is wrong and what, what judgment means. See, the time of the 120-year construction of that ark when Noah built it under the the direction of God, it enabled anyone of the day to stand with Noah and find safety in the ark. Those who chose death, opposition of what God was doing and, and the safety that God was preparing, those that chose death did so in obstinate mockery against the salvation and the grace divinely offered. God offered that salvation <coughs> to mankind. <coughs> Folks, the construction was the opposite of secret. I mean, if you, if you come uh, you know, upon this ark encounter in... Uh, thank you, in Kentucky. I thought it was Ohio, Tennessee. Appreciate, appreciate that. In Kentucky. You come upon this, it's huge. It's, it's like several stories high, and it's, it's longer than a football field. It's the size of the, what the ark was, according to the measurements that God gave, that you read in the word of God. Listen, this was not, it could not be a secret. It was there, it was a monument <coughs> to not only God's judgment, but to God's salvation. Because Noah was a preacher of righteousness, and for 120 years, they built, and he preached, and they, they built, and he preached. And don't you know that he was the, the object of mockery and scoffing and, and, and vitriol in that day as it was in this, as it is in this day? That's exactly what Jesus said. As in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the coming of the Son of Man. 
So you want to know how it was? You know, the, the climate of the world, the climate of, of uh, uh, popular opinion at that time? Exactly like today. It's getting worse and worse today, as you can see. Jesus said it was just like that back then. Don't, can't you see that? Here's this giant ark that, that Noah was building. And it was, a, it was a huge reminder of God who was about to judge but was preparing safety from the, the destructive flood that was coming. As I said, those who chose death did so in mockery against the salvation that God offered. That's exactly why the Ark Encounter in Kentucky, thank you, is such an offense. I mean, such an offense. I mean, really, just Google it. You can come up with not only the Ark Encounter and what it is and all that kind of... You've got people that are are so opposed to this. I mean, so opposed to the project here in Kentucky about this thing. And their their naysayers saying, oh, look at it, nobody's coming. This does nothing. Hey, listen, over a million people last year and growing... Every year, come visit that thing, and it's, and it's popular. They say, oh, it'll never happen. It'll never get built. Well, it got built, and nobody will ever come, and nobody will ever be dumb enough to... And people go, and they see that, and, 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 they're, and they're, but they're so... Uh, you, you Google it, and you see what, what's going on there, and it's how great it is, but then you see the attitude that the world has against this ark, against the thought of it, against the thought of this genocide. Because that's what they see. They, they see, you know, just a, a vindictive God that is so uh, uh, bent on, on destruction. How can you serve such a God? <clears throat> that's exactly why, like I said, the Ark Encounter is such an offense. It reminds and showcases the actions of a sovereign creator who sits in judgment of wickedness. How dare he? Can he do that? Well, he's the creator. The whole reason we drive cars and operate engines is based upon fossil fuels. That it's a testimony of millions and millions of dead bodies quick buried in a global flood. Hey, I'm old enough to remember Sinclair. You remember that gas station? What was the emblem on Sinclair? A dinosaur. Yeah, you know why? Because that's where fossil fuels come from. The oil that, that produces the oil and gas that we are so dependent upon in this society is fossil fuels. Millions and millions of dead bodies quick, quick buried in a global flood. Let me ask you something. Have you ever seen a carcass of a dead animal turn into oil? Uh, I haven't. No, no. Why? Well, of course not. Because what happens if something dies, it decays, it gets eaten by scavengers, turns to dust... That's what happens to dead bodies. The only way millions and millions of animals die together and are quick buried is in a flood. There are so many fossil fuel fields all over the world, you'd think that it was global or something. You know? Go ahead and deny it and drive your car home. But folks, what I'm saying is this judgment that God proclaims, the first part of this in Malachi chapter 4, a judgment to a sinful humanity is so opposed and so hated. Malachi chapter 4 begins with a proclamation of judgment. Yes, judgment upon a humanity that rejects the divine definition of morality. 
You mean, you mean God defines morality? Hey, listen, he's the one that made it. He's the one that created things. He can define morality how he wants to. And he has, by the way. The Ten Commandments. Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Yes, that's from the Word of God. That's God making clear what is right and what is wrong. The, te- the, the biblical morality that God presents in His Word. The definition of gender, of purity, of what marriage really is and what it means. Of homosexuality, the definition of drunkenness, of genuine worship. Listen, folks, death, pain, and grief are results of man's rebellion against God. See, we were never designed to get sick and die. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse number 12, whereas by one man, that is Adam, sin entered into the world. He sinned and therefore he was cursed and all of his, his descendants, that's you and I. Wherefore, it's by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. You see, sin brought about death. Which is, by the way, if you're a theistic evolutionist and that's, you've got millions and millions of years and hundreds of thousands of years of man, you know, developing and whatever, whatever, whatever. No, no, it's not a, all kinds of history of death and decay and, and carnage and, and dead ends and all that. No, no, no. There was no death. There was no death. When God placed Adam and Eve in the garden, there was no death. God says, if you eat of this tree, there will be death. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt die. Thou shalt surely die. And, and God warned of this, but death comes from sin as a result of our rebellion, a result of our sin. <clears throat> Pain and grief are results of man's rebellion against God. We were never designed to get sick and die. Wherefore, it's by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Hey, folks, even this morning, I fellowship with some of you who have a loved one that's dying or that, that's, that is uh, uh, getting frail and weakened. And, and every one of us, folks, every one of us has to say goodbye to loved ones. You'll have to say goodbye to your loved ones someday. Why? Because we all die. Why? Because we're sinners. It's, it's, a, it's a terrible reminder of, of our sin and our rebellion. Death, pain, uh, 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 separation comes of sin. See, God placed man in a perfect environment, having all of his needs met, given instruction to obey. But through his choice of rebellion, he brought upon himself his exile from the garden. Death, pain, discord, and it's been that way ever since. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Talks about the gift of God later, but let's stop right there. The wages of sin is death. If you sin, you will be separated. If you sin, you will experience death and pain and discord. The wages of sin is death. We see that, that we've done this to ourselves, folks. This judgment is a hard pill to swallow. Yes, I know it's difficult to hear the judgment of God, but folks, we've brought it upon ourselves. No wonder that they hate the image of the ark, which is a picture of God's judgment against sin and rebellion. No wonder man desperately tries to eliminate an all-powerful creator, uh, rather choosing to believe the nonsensical fairy tale of a spontaneous generation of evolution self-creation that's it's foolish 
folks, to say that all of the, the, the precision and all of the, the wonder of God's creation was here by, by chance, by mistake, by mutation, things don't work that way. Even originating from extraterrestrial litter bacteria, that's one of the... Uh, the because life doesn't start from non-life. It just doesn't happen. So where did life come from? Where did the original life on earth come from? They say, well, uh, maybe aliens, uh, extraterrestrials jettisoned some of their trash and it got to earth somehow and the first bacteria and started this way and that way and, you know, and then we have everything. Yeah, alien poop. We're all from alien poop. That makes sense, doesn't it? Sure, sure, it really does. <laughs> Folks, no part of evolution makes a lick of sense. Life from non-life, it doesn't happen. You know, spont- you know what spontaneous generation is? Is, is where uh, they used to believe this. They used to believe that, you know, like here something dies and all of a sudden maggots come out of it and it's just whatever. And so they thought, well, you know, it's in all things, it's something decays and then there's life, although small and although nasty and whatever, there's the beginnings of, of, you know, simple life. And they thought, well, yeah, I guess life comes of that. Until uh, Louis Pasteur and the others, I don't remember who it was, uh, Hook, I, I believe it was, that, that said, no, that's not, that's not what happened. What, what happens is life can only come from life. Uh, something dead doesn't spontaneously generate life. And they say, yes, it does. Here's this meat that's just standing there. And, and uh, you know, after a while, there's maggots and there's this and that. No, no, that's because some flies or some things that left on it or whatever. And that's why. And, and so then they would experiment. They would, they would uh, cover. They would make sterile some dead piece of meat or whatever and leave that to decay and decay and decay and decay. No maggots. Something else out in the, in the open. Decay and maggots. Oh, I guess life doesn't start by itself, does it? Like I say, uh, life from non-life, it, it doesn't make sense. We know that. Getting something from nothing, that was nothing before, where did everything come from? From nothing. That's, it doesn't even make sense. We know that. To, to, to actually believe that things are ever increasing in complexity, getting more and more complex and more advanced as it goes when, when we actually know it's in direct denial of the laws of thermodynamics. Everything decays. Energy dissipates. And we know that. Those are laws, not theories. Laws. Everything decays. Everything goes from high complexity to, to uh, uh, low complexity. It doesn't even, it doesn't work. It doesn't make any sense. Unbelievably intricate language code that's written into the DNA of all living things that demands an intelligent designer with an ability far above the brightest minds of our scientists today. And that, was it what, by chance, it doesn't make any sense, folks, all because we want to avoid the accountability to the creator. Folks, that's what it is. It's a man who is set upon rebellion, set upon opposition to this God. Set up, he does not want to, to accept this thing of judgment. Avoid accountability. The message is one of judgment, folks. But God's not finished with his communication where we started with Romans chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but it goes on to say, but the gift of God. Oh, thank the Lord. The gift of God is eternal life. What a wonderful God that we have. 
You see, because in Malachi, he starts off with judgment. You know what? It turns to healing. Look at verse number 2. Malachi chapter 4, verse number 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Folks, we are talking about a Savior that has provided salvation. Provided life out of death. Here we see the divine solution of a loving God. Healing. (laughs) Amen. Thank the Lord. Salvation. Forgiveness. Mercy. Pardon. See, it's love provided by the Messiah. Listen, if you miss this grace, if you miss this one with healing in his wings, there are no other trains out of the city of destruction. It's the only one. There's only one ark. You remember when God made that ark? There was one place that mankind could go to, could run into, and be safe from the judgment of the global flood. Only one place. Not many places. We are just talking about this yesterday in men's Bible study, where, you know, they say, well, here's a mountain, and there's several ways up to the top of that mountain, not just one path. Uh, Not what God says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's it. One way. One uh, uh, presentation of forgiveness. One acceptable sacrifice. Ask Cain. You remember when God made clear, okay, uh, Cain, Abel, you want to worship me? This is acceptable. It's a picture of, this, of the Savior to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you remember John the Baptist, what he said? Behold, the Lamb of God. Well, that's what God was picturing when he said, this is the way to worship me, is to... Uh, 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 mirror the, 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 the grace that I'm going to give, the salvation that I bring, and it's the lamb that will take away the sins of the world. And here's Cain says, well, you know what? I think um, we could go ahead and, and do this or that or whatever. I've got some ideas, and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and gather the fruit of my garden and then present that. And God says, no, that's not acceptable. Ask Cain. There's only one acceptable sacrifice, only one solution. Only one way, one man, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, the Bible clearly says. There's only one Savior, Acts 4, number 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Only one name, and it's Jesus. Not all the other philosophers and other religious leaders. No, no, there's no other name. Folks, let me tell you something. God makes it very clear there's only one way of healing But there's healing available about this son of righteousness that the Bible says would would dawn. And and it uses the illustration of the son coming up. His salvation is like the son of righteousness. You know, the son cannot be denied or ignored. The Savior can't be denied or ignored just as much as the sun can be ignored when it rises. You can't not know it's there. If you've ever had tried to sleep and the windows are open or whatever, shutters are open and and uh, sun comes up and the sun is in, you can't you can't ignore that. I mean, it's everywhere. The sun shines upon everything. Cannot be denied or ignored. <clears throat> and as this savior, the sun cannot be stopped. So one, as much as one can stop the sun from rising, you can stop the Lord Jesus Christ. No, no, he's the son of righteousness. And the sun cannot be missed as much as somebody can 
lose the sun. Well, around here, you, you might be able to lose the sun because <laughs> of the clouds, you know. You, where'd the sun go? I don't know. For 50 days, I haven't seen it. Um, but, uh, you know, in a clear sky, you cannot lose the sun. I was just thinking about this just the other day. In the midst of winter, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, it should be high noon or close to high, and the sun's, you know, on the horizon. It just comes like from that horizon to that horizon, gone. You know, it's like, it doesn't come like this. It comes like that, you know. But you know what? Anytime you want, you know exactly where the sun, you can't miss the sun. Can't miss the sun. It was a few, several years ago. I was coming out of a, um, a seminar, some kind of a religious uh, seminar. I can't remember what it was. Somebody was speaking down there in the SeaTac area. And so I got done with that, and I was coming home. <clears throat> but I get lost. Very easily, uh, very easily. I was, where was I just the other day? And Oh, yeah, yeah, we were, uh, I was at, at this hotel in uh, Bellingham. By the way, we're, we're setting up for a uh, marriage retreat in February this coming year. I'll tell you all about it later, but it's, I'm looking forward to it. But anyway, so the, the manager was taking, bringing me into this room and saying, well, we go see this room, looks at this room, comes out. And then and I, I, just, I, I get into a room and, I'll, and I'm, I don't know where I'm at. Is it this way, that way? And I'm telling her, I get lost in my bathtub. <laughs> I really do. Well, this day, I, I got out of this, uh, this uh, seminar down in, in uh, Tacoma area and uh, got back. I'm, I'm trying to hurry up, go home, get on I-5, and I'm driving and driving and driving, and the sun is going down. Something was wrong. I didn't know what was wrong, but the sun was going down on my right side. I'm heading north, and the sun's going down on my right side. Wait a minute. Sun rises in the east and sets in the west, and I'm going, the sun is in the wrong place in the sky. And I realize, south. I'm going, ah! I turn around, going, hey, folks, you can't lose the sun, can you? You can't miss it. And you know what? You can't miss the, the effect of somebody that meets the sun of righteousness. The believer's totally changed. You can't miss that, folks. You can't miss it. What happened to him? Well, he got saved. How in the world? This guy changed like You can't miss it, folks. The effect of that son of righteousness. Healing. First thing that God says is judgment. And then the second thing that God says is, hang on, folks, healing. I have made a way for you to be healed, for you to have life. And it's presented in the son of righteousness. And look at the third thing he says, and this is our text, verse number five. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. What in the world? Great and dreadful. Wait, wait, great is a connotation of good, exciting, something to welcome. Dreadful is horror. Dreadful is awful. Something to run from. You know, it's, it's judgment. It's not good. It's not positive. It's very negative. It's the same day. And he says, hey, the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. What God was saying here in this point was choice. It's your choice. See, that day will either be great or that day will be dreadful. When you face the king, when you face the Almighty, when you face the Creator, that will be a great day for you or that will be a dreadful day for you, depending on your choice today, depending on what you do with Jesus today. Jesus is either loved or dreaded. 
depending on what you do with him. You see, judgment is an inevitable reality. You will stand and you will uh, give account to the Creator. The Bible says that and there's, there's no way around that. That's a truth. Friend, pay attention. I'm, I want to help you here. The Bible says it's appointed on the man once to die, but after this, the judgment. You're going to stand before this Creator. Judgment is an inevitable reality. But folks, healing is offered. Listen, salvation is offered in Christ. Pardon and safety from judgment. Yes, the ark is there and there's an open door. And it was open for 120 years. It was just too late after the door was shut by God. And then, I'm sure, they scratched at the, at the door. They pounded on the door. Noah, let us in! He says, I can't. God shut the door. Wait a minute. That door was open for 120 years. They could have been on that ark. It was their choice. It was their choice. It was their choice. Healing is offered today. <clears throat> See, folks, it's either a great day or it's a dreadful day, depending on what you do with Christ. But it's the same day. It's both a great and dreadful day. Which will it be for you? I am looking forward to the Lord Jesus Christ returning. Because I'm on his side. I'm in his family. I've been forgiven. I've been pardoned. I've, took, I've taken the healing that's in his wings. I'm looking forward. It's a great day coming. But folks, for those that don't know him, not the same. Not the same. It's dreadful. Dreadful. The same day. Dreadful. They fear. They, they, they run from the face of him. <clears throat> In Auschwitz, the last day of the war, there in Germany, as they heard that the Americans were coming to actually occupy and actually free those who were, that did not actually go into the, the ovens and, and the death camp and, and were exterminated, those few that were, that were remaining. The, the soldiers and the, and the uh, uh, authorities there heard about this and, and they, they tried to burn everything and they tried to destroy everything because they knew it was over. The, 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 the last Reich was, was done with. It was, it was no longer a reality. And, and they had to flee as, as rats when, when the, uh, the lights turned on in a room and they were, they, it was a dreadful day for them. I was in, I was in Dachau when I visited our, our uh, uh, missionary in Germany, Brother uh, uh, Richards. I didn't realize this until it was all over with, but somebody mentioned to us when we were there, it was a beautiful countryside, and there was, you know, all of this, and then we entered into these gates, these big giant gates, and within these gates, uh, uh, Quonset hut after uh, building after building after building after building, and this is where they housed the, the, the people that were slated for destruction. And they, they took us through the ovens, and they actually had these... Folks, it was, it, was, it was hard to go through that. It was hard to see that even. And to see the posters of pictures of those when it was occupied and the conditions of the people and then when they finally eliminated the, what they called the scum of the earth. I didn't realize it, but it was afterwards. Somebody mentioned, you know, it was a sunshiny day and it was beautiful countryside. When we entered into those gates, you could not hear a bird singing. Silent. Whew. What a memory. Folks, 
that liberation day. The end of the war. That was an awful day. It was, a, it was a terrible day. It was a dreadful day for those in charge. But I'm telling you what, it was quite a different day for those who were incarcerated. For those who were, had no hope, lost everything, were about to be dis- extinguished. It was a great day. It was liberation. It was salvation. It was the same day, folks, the same day. And God says, listen, there's coming a great and dreadful day of the Lord. A great and a terrible day. But see, that's up to you. It's your choice. What you face on that day. Are you going to be on his side? Are you going to be one of his? Are you going to be born again? Are you going to be pardoned? Are you going to accept the healing from the wings of your sin? Or will you face judgment? Both the best and the worst days in your eternity. Facing God, which will it be? It's your choice. Every head bowed, nobody looking for just a moment. <clears throat> Lord, thank you so much for making it clear this is what you wanted folks to hear and to, to meditate on and to go over and over and over in their, their minds. Judgment, healing, and choice. Lord, thank you for giving us that prerogative that we could actually choose life. We could actually take that train out of the city of destruction. We can actually get into ark. We could actually re- receive the healing that you have provided in your wings. Lord, thank you. I thank you and I'm looking forward to that day. I'm, it's a great day. It's a wonderful day. Thank you, God. But there may very well be in a crowd like this, those who have never experienced the pardon that only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has healing in his wings. Lord, I pray that you make a difference. I pray that you help them to understand that there's a loving God that wants them saved, went through the, the trouble of the, the pain, the, the, the suffering of laying down his life for the sins of mankind for my sin and for their sin. Lord, I I thank you for that. I pray that you would help that one to understand that it's up to them, whether it's a great or dreadful day. It's up to them what it's going to be like when they face the, the Almighty, the Creator. Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us to understand it's a choice. It's my choice. It's not anybody else's. It's my choice. Lord, I pray that you'd make it clear in, in souls' hearts today. Lord, I pray that you'd, you'd help us to see this. Thank you, Lord, for making it clear, for communicating very clearly to us. Lord, thank you for this message in Malachi. Lord, I pray that you help us to, to do something about that, to act upon that choice, to act upon that offer that's, that's here. Lord, I pray that you give that one who's never been born again, don't, don't know that their eternity is secured, Lord, to get it secured for them today, to have them to receive the, the Savior. Lord, I pray that you'd do just as your promise, as many as receive them, to then give you power to become the sons of God. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help them today to say yes to you. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. I pray that you'd, you'd bring us to the reality of, of your, your dealing with us. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, deal with each one that's here today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.